This is the Illuminate Podcast, a Sandy Boy production. Each week on the Illuminate Podcast, the hosts will bring you insightful conversations and stories of people who are illuminating their own lives through their business, work, community, family, and world. Welcome to the Illuminate Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. Abby Birch, and today we are talking to Justin Bristol, who is the Safety Education Programs Manager for Georgia Bikes. In this conversation, we talk about safety education programs for bicyclists, for traffic, like actual automobiles, but then we dive deep into a conversation about cyclist Maggie Evans and an epic collision that she survived and is recovering from and how we can all learn from this experience. Really, we talk about the importance of humanizing pedestrians and cyclists, but I don't want to give it all away because Justin is so excited about bicycles and all things education. You are going to love his enthusiasm for this. Listen to this episode if you want to learn a little bit more about why people bike to work or what the rumble strips are on the side of the road. Really, I'm excited to illuminate all the awesome work that Justin's doing over at Georgia Bikes and how you can get involved with getting on two wheels and having a great time while also staying healthy. Without further ado, I bring to you Justin Bristol. Today on the Illuminate Podcast, we are talking with Justin Bristol of Georgia Bikes. Hey, Justin. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me today. I'm really excited to talk to you. We have to get the listeners a little background story of how I know you. We randomly ran a duathlon together. Well, I ran, you biked. (laughs) I did. And that is the, I I was going to say that's the only duathlon that I've ever participated in, but that is actually the third relay duathlon that I had participated in. Um, the first two were with my dad. Oh, well, see, that's sweet. That's sweet. So here's here's what happened. It was, I think, last May, so about a year ago now, a friend of ours who we'll actually talk about today reached out to me and said there was going to be some big competition in the relay world, and all y'all cyclists were looking for some runners to compete with. And so I got paired up with you and it was an easy match because we share food ideals and you have an adorable family and we didn't do too bad. We still, we got, we placed, we got third. We did. And that's probably the only medal that I got all of last year. So, so that was a wonderful, um, a wonderful time. Um, you know, we, we were up against, uh, professional runners and, you know, SCAD collegiate athletes. It was was a serious field. It was no joke. Um, but the person who wrote me into it wasn't even there. Really? (laughs) I didn't know that. um, I, all I know is that it was crazy. It was this circular path that we ran on. You guys biked insanely fast. Um, if you don't know what a duathlon is, you bike, run, bike. And so when it's a relay, there's a runner and a cyclist. I heard that y'all were going stupid fast out there on the bike. They were going stupid fast. Um, <laughs> I, I was getting by. Um, but yeah, it was it was Jackson's idea that we all do this. And then Jackson was out of town that weekend. Oh my goodness, <laughs> so, that's hilarious. Uh, which, is, which is good because, you know, that probably secured our podium spot. Yeah, if he had been there, we would probably have been fourth. But it was a fun event and we got to hang out, which was cool. And it was been really fun to see you around town. Tell the listeners 
Who is Justin Bristol and how did you get into being such an amazing cyclist and cycle coach and Georgia bikes educator and all that jazz? Um, so Justin Bristol is me. Um, I, I've been passionate about bikes since high school, basically. Um, I started riding my senior year of high school, but it was really just like to get around. Um, I sort of reverted from that typical teenager thing where, you know, everyone rides bikes when they're a kid. Uh, and it's, it's a great way to go visit your friends and you get a workout without realizing that you're getting a workout. Um, but then I got a car. And so all through my teenage years, I was, I was driving everywhere. Um, and I was working at a movie theater part-time. That was, that was my, my life was, you know, go to school or I should say drive to school, um, drive to the movie theater, drive home, you know, after the last movie. So a uh, great way as a, as a high school kid to be spending your time getting home from work at, you know, like midnight during the week. Wow. Um, but my, my diet was, was popcorn and soda. Um, I would, I would eat pizza in the cafeteria at lunch and then uh, popcorn and soda for dinner at the movie theater. So, you know, my senior year, I was having a harder time affording gas. It was, you know, 2006, 2007, uh, gas was starting to get expensive. I was driving a 1993 Explorer, so it it never had a full tank. Um, so I got a bike for for my graduation present, and that sort of became my new way to get around. And then a few years later, I realized that like bikes are fun. Um, they're not they're not just how how you get to and from work. So I started racing. Um, that was 2009 when I started racing, and it has been has been a huge part of my life um, ever since then. It probably destroyed a relationship um, <laughs> because I was, I was away all the time. Uh, but it's been, for the most part, it's been a healthy obsession. And, you know, I, I really, I love teaching. I love being an educator. I worked as a middle school teacher for a long time. I've worked in a variety of nonprofits. And, you know, when this opportunity came open to get to work teaching, you know, bicycle safety and, and working as a bicycle advocate, it was really just a, a perfect match. I love it. And I can't wait to dive deeper into what you do. But can we talk about this whole biking to work thing? I know this week, which is the week before the podcast releases, it is bike to work week. So if someone is listening and is thinking, huh, maybe I'd try that gas prices are exceptionally high. What are some tips for biking to work? I know I complained about gas prices when I was in high school and now they're, you know, probably double that. So I, I don't know what 16 year old Justin had any right complaining about gas prices uh, then. Um, a lot of people get really nervous about biking to work. Uh, there's, there's so many obstacles, um, perceived obstacles. You know, I have to, I have to look good for, for the office. I have to wear a, a shirt and tie. I have to wear khakis. I'll get grease all over my khakis if I if I ride my bike to work. There aren't any facilities. I would need to shower. Um, the, the biggest tip that I have, the biggest suggestion that I have for, for riding to work is just preparing. Um, and sometimes that means preparing a day or two beforehand. At my, my last job, I love to bring in all of my clothes for the week on Monday. So bring in a, a change of clothes for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, drive to work on Monday, drive to work on Friday and bring all that stuff back. And then you don't have to worry about traveling with a bag or like trying to shove your, your dress shoes into your backpack or something like that. 
Um, that's really, to me, is the, the simplest way to do it. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of local resources for figuring out how to get to work. Uh, here locally, we're really, really lucky. Bike Walk Savannah is the local um, bicycle nonprofit, and they have a, a custom route request um, form on their website. So you, you hop on Bike Walk Savannah's website, and you can say, hey, I need to get from, you know, 133 36th Street to 234 75th Street, and they'll give you a, a suggested route that will keep you, you know, off of highways and try to avoid sketchy intersections. But a lot of you know local local advocacy groups and even you know cities, county governments have have access to bike friendly maps um, or at least can share safe facilities where there's lanes or where there's separated cycle tracks that that let you get to work a little bit a little bit safer so you don't have to worry about sharing the road with traffic if it's something that you've never done before. I love it. So prepare before as what you're going to wear, what you're going to do, and then seek out the route the route or the route. I used to yep. bike to work when I was a teacher. I worked at a K-8 school and I would bring my favorite dress shoes and leave them in my closet at school. And I would notoriously wear bike shorts on the bottom, pack my skirt or dress in my backpack, and then bike to work with my bike shoes on and do little tap, tap, tap all the way down to my classroom. But I had like the massive like wipes so I could like not be gross and sweaty because there were no facilities there. And I was notorious for always having my hair in a ponytail. But it was so much fun to be that teacher who biked to school. And I didn't pay for gas for years. Right. And it's, I, I probably drink too much coffee as it is now. Um, but getting getting those, you know, extra few exercise endorphins in the morning, you know, it, it wakes you up. You start the day invigorated. Um, you, you know, a lot of people think that you exercise and it makes you tired. Um, but that, that exercise really you know, gives you an energy boost. And um, it's, it's a great way to, to start your day on a, on a positive foot. Even, even a bad, you know, bike ride to work is, is better than being stuck in your car in traffic. Yeah, I agree. So people that are listening, if you've never tried it, just try it once. Just say that you've done it once. Make sure you've done all your resources and done all your preparation. You have plenty of tools in your community. And I'm sure we can talk at the end, Justin, how they can find more resources in their communities. But can you tell us a little bit about what your role is as safety education program manager? Um, aside from having the longest job title in the organization, <laughs> um, my, my job as safety education programs manager is managing our, our education program for for a statewide bicycle advocacy and education organization. So I'm based in Savannah and I'm lucky that we have, we have resources here. We have groups like Bike Walk Savannah, Bike Walk Golden Isles is right down the road. Bike Effingham is right up the road. So there's, there's local resources available right around me. And even though we work for different organizations, it's sort of like we're all coworkers. Um, but what I do is I, I travel around the state. I, I work with municipalities. I work with nonprofit groups, schools, police departments, um, leading a variety of educational and outreach opportunities. Those include smart cycling courses, which are certified by the League of American Bicyclists. The curriculum was developed by the League of American Bicyclists. That's the, the nationwide advocacy organization. And we teach bicycle laws, and you know safe riding tips not just 
ride on the right, ride with traffic, but you know, evasive maneuvers. If there's an obstacle in front of you and you didn't see it in time, how can you get around it without causing damage to your bike or crashing? Um, if a car pulls out in front of you, how can you turn quickly so that you don't hit it? We also offer a bicycle-friendly driver course that you know we hope will help people in their cars become a little bit more comfortable uh, operating around cyclists. Over the past few years, we've seen a, a big boom in, in people riding bikes, people being out on the road. If you try to go to a bike shop right now and buy a tube or a chain, you probably won't be able to find it because so many people have picked up bikes in the past two years. And a lot of people in cars just aren't prepared for the just sheer volume of people riding bikes these days. So the bicycle-friendly driver course is, is hopefully something that will will pick up and also make you know roads a little bit safer. So we also do um, a course that's certified by Georgia Peace Officer Safety Training, which is basically the continuing education courses for uh, police officers throughout the state of Georgia. Um, so we we go to police departments and we lead this course to refamiliarize uh, law enforcement officers with bicycle laws. Um, but we also, we share what we do with them. I think a lot of people look at bicycle advocacy groups and think, you know, here's, here's some nut job who, you know, wants everyone to get rid of their cars and only wants people to ride their bikes. And if I got rid of my car and only rode my bike, I either wouldn't be able to do my job because I have to travel all over the state or um, it would take me six days to get to Atlanta to lead a course. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's, that's just not reasonable. So we like to share, you know, with the police officers that we're working with, you know, these are what we teach people on bikes so that not only are they safer, but they're, they're better stewards of the road. And hopefully, you know, we can all work together to keep people a little bit safer when they're out on the road. I definitely want to talk about more of that in a second, because that was kind of what sparked this conversation, not just that it's National Bike Month, but a dear friend of ours had a bicycle accident. So we'll talk about that in just a second. But I know some people listening might be thinking, well, the bicycles are getting in my way when I'm driving. They need to have their own path. I've had so many people scream at me out the window, angry words. I've been sprayed with pepper spray. I've been sprouted with gravel. What are, what are some of the things that you would tell people listening either on the cycle side or on the roadside? Do we belong? Um, we all belong. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hard because a lot of people, people that I'm very close to think that roads are made for cars. And if you, if you look at the history of our roadways, um, if you look at who it was that advocated for paved roads is people on bikes. Um, so bikes are the reason we have paved roads, you know, in our cities and across the entirety of the country. So the streets were made for bikes, but, um, you know, bikes and cars really um, developed around the same time. It was, you know, maybe a decade between the invention of the safety bicycle and then the proliferation of automobiles on our roads. So streets were made for bikes, but they didn't own it for very long. Um, the important thing, I think, if you're on a bike, remember that you're operating a vehicle, that you have you have rights to the road, but you also have responsibilities. That it's your responsibility to make sure that you and everyone around you is as safe as they can be. 
you know, we all sort of need to look out for the more vulnerable among us on the road and in our day-to-day lives. Mm -hmm. So when you're on a bike, you know, if you're coming up to a crosswalk, you got to make sure that you're looking out for the pedestrians, but you also have to, you know, look out for yourself. When you're in a car, you are the most protected you could be of any person on the road. And it's so important for you to think about the, the responsibility and, and the weight of that responsibility that you carry operating a motor vehicle. You know, even, even the lightest car at, at speeds that any car on the road is capable of, you know, they are, they are deadly heavy machines. And a lot of people forget that because that's, it's just so ingrained in our lives from the time we're 15 years old for most people, a car is a part of their day-to-day, you know, goings-on. And, and they forget what a huge responsibility it is to operate that machinery and just how dangerous it can be. And it's, it's really important to remember that you're, you're operating a significant piece of machinery and that the people around you are people that, you know, the person who's riding their bike to get to work or the person who's riding their bike for exercise, they're people. Like there is someone at home that really wants to see them get home. And a lot of people forget that because we think about cyclists or pedestrians, but we don't think about people on bikes or people who are walking. So we need to, we need to put people back into the center of the conversation. Oh, I love that. Put people back in the center of the conversation. That's such a great thing. We need to humanize not just pedestrians and cyclists, but humanize all the conversations. What an assistantic, I can't even say the word at the moment. (laughs) I've I've been editing too many books today. I think that this is such a great conversation. It leads us perfectly into the story of our friend Maggie and her recent crash. And I think that kind of sparked something impressive over at Georgia Bikes and what you're doing. So can you give us a little bit of the story? And now that Maggie is recovering and we can talk about it, what are we learning from this and how are we making the world a better place as she recovers? I think we're learning that Maggie Evans is probably one of the strongest human beings on the planet because (laughs) she's uh, progressing and recovering at rates that, uh, you know, I think are, I think her recovery is surprising everyone except for her. <laughs> um, so it's it's great to see that she is she's healthy and she's home and that she is you know making progress every single day. Uh, I don't know details about the collision that happened. Um, I know she was hit from behind on a, a roadway in the middle of the day. Um, it was Highway 80. She was traveling west. Um, so as though she were coming from Tybee Island, if anyone's familiar with the area. And it's a, it's a four-lane road, two lanes of you know, directional travel in each direction with a shoulder. Parts of Highway 80 have a rumble strip on them. And before traffic engineers start calling in and emailing, rumble strips are great. I love a rumble strip. It keeps cars in their lane. If it's well-designed, a rumble strip not just keeps a car in its lane and prevents, you know, lane exiting collisions, but it also allows for bikes to use the shoulder safely and provides a little bit of separation from cars. I don't believe where she was riding has a rumble strip on it, but there are parts of that shoulder where the rumble strips prevent riding a bike on that shoulder. 
So what could be a wonderful resource separating bicycles from traffic, from motor vehicle traffic, um, you know, is, is sort of misused in this area. It's not a great rumble strip. So she was, she was hit from behind by a truck. She was probably traveling around 20 miles per hour when it happened. The speed limit in that area is 55 miles per hour. So we'll assume that the driver was traveling the speed limit, but you never know in a situation like this, which means, you know, uh, that's a that's a relatively high rate of speed that the truck was traveling when it hit her. Uh, she traveled approximately 138 feet from the collision to where she came to to a stop. Um, I believe she she had something like seven surgeries within you know a week and a half or two weeks. Uh, repaired a few ribs, um, surgically repaired uh, cervical vertebrae, cervical vertebrae, and um, <laughs> had her. Her T3 through T8 fused, I believed. It's a fracture in her pelvis, fractured collarbone, no head, no head trauma, which is good job, astonishing. Helmet. Right, good job, helmet. <laughs> um, no head trauma. Um, she's she's been coherent this whole time. She's been, you know, in great spirits. Uh, I recently brought her sunglasses that she had on that day to her. She was astonished that her sunglasses survived. Her sunglasses uh, survived that wreck. Her sunglasses survived, yeah. Whoa. So, but we um, have to know what brand those are. <laughs> uh, can we drop brand names? Sure. That, I don't see why but, not. They uh, just was survived. Of, what was it? It was a pair of POC, POC uh, sunglasses. Uh, POC also makes a great helmet. I've used them before. I've tested them before. <laughs> um, and, you know, it uh, it did its job when I used it. Wow. Um, so, but you know, Maggie's Maggie's story is is significant. It's huge. It's something that um, that we're using to sort of put a face and put a name on the work that we're doing every day. But it's unfortunately not horribly unique. Um, within the past month, not only was was Maggie hit by by a motor vehicle, um, one of my son's classmates' mothers was hit stopped at a stop sign, you know, and then here in Savannah, we had at least two, maybe three pedestrian fatalities, basically within the same week. So we're seeing, we're seeing a lot of, of instances of catastrophic collisions with motor vehicles lately. Wow. I know that when it happened with Maggie, it's tough because there have been a lot of accidents in our area, like you said, and she just was able to power through. I think she said the she flew over a hundred yards or meters or something into a a ditch and still managed to survive. And what I love that Georgia Bikes has been doing is putting not just her face and humanizing it, but also giving us some tips. Can you tell us a little bit about ID and road ID and some of the things that you guys are teaching through your educational programs in that way? Absolutely. Um, it's been really important for us, and this is. Um, Maggie's husband, Jackson, Jackson Evans, um, has, has made this sort of his, his mission. Um, what is it? You want to turn your mess into a message mm -hmm. um, sort of thing. So his mission has been to get more IDs, you know, on people. Maggie wasn't riding with her wallet that day. Um, I typically don't ride with my wallet when I go out because I'm afraid of losing it if I crash, <laughs> um, which is, um, is that ironic? It might just a be ironic, ironic in the Atlantis sense. So I don't know. 
Um, but she had her cell phone on her. Her cell phone was was destroyed. Um, I have I ride with a, a GPS computer on my bike that sends out a crash notification if I come to a sudden stop um, or if I push a button, it will send a message to my wife with the GPS location. Um, that doesn't always work either because, you know, Maggie's computer wasn't recovered off of her bike. Her cell phone was destroyed, so there was no way to identify her. So when the first responders arrived, she was a Jane Doe. And the the only way that Jackson was able to finally verify, you know, that it was that it was Maggie in the hospital was he went to the ER. I, I don't want to say on a whim, because it certainly wasn't on a whim, but he went to the ER without having confirmation that she was there or without having confirmation that she was the one in the accident. Collision, sorry. Um, my toddler has an accident while he's potty training. Um, cars, bikes, pedestrians have collisions. Um, Good terminology. So, um, so you know, he didn't know he didn't know that it was her that had been involved. Um, but he he went, and we've been we've been using that to encourage people to use to wear IDs, whether that is you know, carrying your wallet or carrying a picture ID with you. A lot of people will put a little sticker inside of their helmet that has their emergency contact information. Uh, Georgia Bikes has recently secured a partnership with a company called Roadrunner ID, and um, they're offering discounts to Georgia Bikes members so that, you know, you become a member, you support Georgia Bikes, you support the advocacy efforts and the educational efforts that we're doing. And you get a discount on on an ID that could very well save your life. Um, apparently, one of the first things that first responders, uh, this is you know, second or third hand information, um, but apparently one of the first things that first responders will do is is give penicillin. And how many people do we know that have a penicillin allergy? I'm allergic to codeine. Um, I don't think that I have to worry about an EMT giving me codeine if I'm involved in a crash, but it's nice for them to know. Um, so even, even if you're not horribly concerned with them having your name and emergency contact information, something as simple as having an allergy alert on your ID, whether you're wearing it on your wrist or wearing it around your neck like a dog tag, you know, could potentially save your life and is just one more piece of safety equipment just like that helmet. So we have helmets, we have road IDs, we have stickers if we need to. I know when I run solo, I have a road ID attached to my watch just because I, you never know what could happen. And, you know, when you get, I've, I've been hit by a car before and you're so shaky after that happens that even if, even when I'm not in terrible danger, the shakiness and using your phone, it's important to have those IDs. You've given us information on how to bike to work. You've given us information on humanizing pedestrians and cyclists, how to become trained in just safety and awareness. I'm sure that people in other states can find a bike community or a bike advocacy program that would offer safe cycling or safe motor vehicles. You've told us about Maggie's crash and how she's, thank God, recovering so quickly and so strongly and the importance of IDs. What else do we need to know about the power of a two-wheeled thing called a bicycle? It's really easy to sort of psych yourself up about what could happen. Um, 
and this is this is a conversation that Maggie and I actually had when she was in the hospital. Um, as she was saying, you know, her husband Jackson has been riding for decades, and to my knowledge, he's never been hit. And she she looked at me and she said, you know, you've been riding for a long time and you've never been hit. And I was like, oh no, I've been hit. And as it was leaving my mouth, I was like, no, 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 she wants encouragement. Um, but it's um, it's something that can happen, but it doesn't it doesn't deter us from driving to the grocery store, from driving to dinner, from driving to work. The possibility that you could be in a car crash in your car, and if we if we focus too much on what could happen, riding our bike, you know, no one would ride their bike. But it's the same thing flying or getting on a train or you know, just going for a walk or a run. People typically don't think that running is a dangerous activity, but you're still sharing, you know, the roadways with motor vehicles. So it's it's important to prepare for the possibility of, of a collision, but it's also important to know that it's not something that happens every day. It's something that we should be aware of. It's something that you know, when we're in our cars, we should look out for other people. When we're on our bikes, we should, you know, behave courteously and, you know, follow the rules and, and look out for ourselves. But we can't let it scare us away because, you know, if it did, we'd miss out on a whole lot of fun. Oh, I love it. Justin, I really appreciate you sharing just a little glimpse into what you do as the education, safety education programs manager for Georgia Bikes. That is a great title. We're going to wrap up with a couple end of podcast questions. So there's four of them. First one, what is the best or the most recent book that you've read? I'm currently reading uh, The Enlightened Cyclist. <laughs> What's that about? <laughs> um, it's, it's about, it's about commuting. Um, and it's about, um, it's relatively satirical um, in that cyclists are, uh, God's chosen uh, commuters. Um, it's written by the the author of the former Bike Snob NYC blog. Um, I don't know if blogs still exist in 2022, um, but Bike Snob NYC uh, is is something that I read every day on my lunch break um, at my job when I was in college, and the, the author has has published a few books since then. Um, it was most recent or favorite, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got it. That's perfect. The enlightened um, cyclist. <laughs> so uh, I will say, uh, on a more serious note, I re I read or reread uh, the Old Man in the Sea almost annually. Really? So I do. Why? Um, it's you know, it's a tale of of perseverance, but. In, in that tale of perseverance, uh, I don't want to spoil it if anybody hasn't read it, um, but the, you know, protagonist really begins to identify with, you know, what he originally saw as his enemy. And I think that if that's not, um, if that's not a message that we can all take into our day-to-day -day lives, that, you know, the people that we have conflict with, the things that we have conflict with, <clears throat> the motor vehicles that we share the road with, that we have conflict with, um, eventually we should be able to identify with them and, um, you know, find some empathy. Great. Humanizing, empathetic, all those things. 
Speaking of which, I probably already know the answer, but who or what is illuminating or inspiring you right now? Um, I, I mean, how, how could I, how could I follow this conversation without saying that Maggie is, uh, mm-hmm. inspiring me? Um, the, the basic fact that she has, has made it through this and, you know, after, after being involved in a collision that, um, if, if anyone else I think was involved in a collision like this, they would never think about riding a bike again. Um, and she's, she's already talking about what her next event is going to be and already bragging about the new bike that has been ordered for when she's, you know, ready to go again. So, um, if, if I could carry even a fraction of that tenacity in my day-to-day life, I would be a much better person. She's an awesome human. I'll ask her permission and see if we can share her Instagram handle so people can watch her journey to recovery. Cause it is absolutely inspiring and tenacious is the perfect word to describe her. All right, question three. What is an organization that you would like to illuminate? Ooh. <laughs> um, obviously, I need to illuminate Georgia Bikes. Um, so georgiabikes.org, you can find all sorts of resources, whether it's um, you know Georgia's bicycle laws or local advocacy groups or events throughout the state of Georgia. Um, safety events, uh, educational programming, or just, you know, fun and recreational activities. Um, Anything that has to do with a bike in Georgia, it's on our website, uh, as long as I'm doing my job right. Um, But the the League of American Bicyclists is the other one I think that we should highlight because apparently not everybody lives in Georgia. Uh, (laughs) The the League does have uh, resources for you know, everyone, if you can't find your local or regional bicycling advocacy organization uh, on the League of American Bicyclists website, or if you can't find answers to the question that you're looking for, um, even if it's commuter tips, um, you know, the League of American Bicyclists should have it and, you know, has, has the resources to make everybody a little bit safer on the bike. And that's the goal. All right. Last question. What is the message you want to send out to the world today? Um, I think it was, uh, I think it was Joe Strummer, uh, front man of the clash who said something along the lines of, uh, we have to put, um, people back into the center of things that I, you know, half-heartedly quoted earlier in this conversation, um, and, and follow that for a time. Um, we really do, um, need to need to put people back into the center of our focus um, every day. It's we're we're all working through things. We're all doing the best we can on a day to day basis, um, and we're all individuals. You know, there is someone at home who loves each and every one of us. And when you're sitting in traffic, it's easy to forget that the person who is trying to make a left-hand turn in front of you when you just need to go straight is just going about their day-to-day lives. Um, and it's really, really easy to get angry at that car or that bike or that runner or the person on the electric scooter. Uh, it's, it's really easy to get angry at the thing and forget that the thing is being operated by a person. That's so good. The thing is being operated by a person. I love it. Hey, Justin, thank you for coming on the podcast and talking to us. 
thank you for having me. Um, if I ever run again, I will uh, reach out and maybe we'll for a run. Anytime, anytime. I can always run beside your bike, but you're way faster. <laughs> Have a great one. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Remember to humanize the cyclist, the pedestrian, the other person in the car. What's a couple extra seconds of getting where you're going? Put people back in the center of everything we're doing. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with my friend Justin Bristol and all the work he's doing over at Georgia Bikes. It always super helps us if you can like and review us or share our podcast with any of your friends. It's an honor to bring these guests and illuminate these stories. So I hope whatever you're doing, you feel illuminated and inspired because the world's a brighter place with you in it. Thanks for listening.